Welcome to St. James Parish in Wilmington, North Carolina. You can learn more about St. James on our website at stjamesp.org. Well, if there's a look of familiarity between the two of us, there's a reason <laughs> for that. Um, I am Gray's dad, and uh, Gray and Philip invited me sometime ago to come up, and as Gray will tell you, he didn't realize it was Father's Day when he picked this particular Sunday. He gave me two choices, and I picked this one, so it's my fault as much as it is his. Um, and by the way, if we, when you were driving in, you saw all these cars, and it was, why are all these people still here? It's my fault. <laughs> I went long. Well, that's the problem. See, when I'm having a good time, I don't want to hurry. And, and that's just sort of the way it is. So I, I, I've been looking forward to this so much. Actually, this is my second time here at the chapel. I was here last August. Uh, Gray was relatively new, and he and Cheryl were here at that particular time. And just absolutely love this place. You just can't help it. You come out here, and you look at the surroundings, and, and just the, all the windows are open, and every, it's like... You know, the breath of God is, is flowing through here, and that's just so absolutely fantastic. It's a wonderful place to be and to worship, and I'm so thankful for this opportunity. Also, because it's an opportunity for me to come and embarrass my son. <laughs> now, how often do you get to do that? So I am going to take full advantage, and besides, it's Father's Day, so he can't say a thing about it. <laughs> so we are now in our Old Testament progression in the Abraham saga, as it is called. And I, and I love this story for reasons that are often overlooked um, as we read or hear it. Um, and, and by the way, when you say it's the Abraham saga, and I'm sure at least half of you are going to agree with me, that's, that's a misname. It is actually the Abraham and Sarah saga, is it not? It's, it's a lot of you with with, with hair, are, are, yes, I get it, I get it, absolutely, uh, because Sarah has a huge role to play in all of this, as you will find out, you know, you've already heard today, and wait till next week, so, um, but we have just exited, uh, at this point in the book of Genesis, that part which we refer to as primeval history, the first 11 chapters, which spans this un, undefined period of time, and is really interesting. But, you know, Scripture is like that. But what we tend to overlook is that Abram, or Abraham, he was started as Abram, became Abraham, he's Abraham now, grew up in a polytheistic world. And when I say polytheistic, that means many gods. You know, and, and we, of course, are monotheistic, one god, who's the God and Father of us all. But back then, it was a polytheistic world, and there were all kinds of gods. And some of them had specific functions, and some were tied to specific places. Each kingdom or town would have its own god that was supposed to watch over them, and all this sort of thing. But what really is characteristic of any polytheistic uh, approach to, to religion is that it's basically something that we made up. We invented it. And the reason that we do that is because we are trying to give ourselves some sense of control over things that we know intrinsically that we cannot control, like the weather. So there would be a god of the harvest. And that god's role was to provide those conditions which would 
lead to a good crop yield. In order to get the God of the harvest to do what they wanted, the people, they invented a system of sacrifices and prayers and rituals that they had to do in order to satisfy or mollify or, let's face it, bribe the God into doing what they wanted. And they figured if they did it right, they would end up with a good harvest. And if for some reason it was a bad harvest, well, somebody didn't do it right. So that's just the way the system worked. But it's totally invented by human beings because you give us half a chance, this is what we will do. We will create a system that allows us to be the ones in control. So, polytheistic world. Here we are, chapter 18, in, and in, uh, or chapter 12, actually, I'm backing up. In walks Abraham, minding his own business in Haran, but fully immersed in this polytheistic system. Now, Abraham's done well for himself. He has flocks and herds and camels and sheep and goats, a wife and one nephew. So he had a lot. Okay, what was the name of Abraham's nephew? He had a lot. <laughs> 830 didn't get it either. It's okay. Zoom. That's fine. That's me and my weird sense of humor. But, but here, here's Abram just minding his own business one day, and he hears this voice. He's never heard this voice before. And the voice tells him to leave everything that he had known and was familiar to him and to go to a new place that this voice was not going to tell him about until he got there. And the next sentence is, and Abram went. Well, I have a little bit of a problem with that um, because I think we're getting the beginning of the story and the end of the story. There may have been a whole bunch in the middle that kind of got left out because maybe it's just not that important to the flow of, of this particular narrative. But I can picture Abram hearing this voice, leave everything. You want me to do what? And by the way, who is this? Because Abram had never heard this voice before. And not only that, what would have been really weird is that the gods in a polytheistic system never spoke to people. You didn't have a relationship with those gods because we made them up. So this, now this is something totally new and different that is happening, and that is so, so significant. There is a god, the god as we see it now, who wants to be a part of his life to bless him, to make of him a great nation, to continue to be in relationship with him as he moves from one place to another, to another, to another. This God is not tied to a specific physical location. He goes with them. He is with Abraham and Sarah. So this was absolutely unheard of in a polytheistic world. And what's more, God initiated this whole relationship. In polytheism, the gods didn't initiate, humans initiated through prayers and sacrifices and rituals. And then the gods, or 
a god, was supposed to respond to them uh, by granting them what they wanted. But not this time. God is establishing a new pattern here where he is the one who initiates a relationship with humanity and then invites humanity, us, to respond to him. And how the Abraham saga plays out moving forward is a testament to the extent to which God wants to be and is going to be a part of Abraham's life and our lives. And I'm talking about real lives, warts and all. And that's a part of this story. So Abraham, meanwhile, back at the oak tree, um, 24 years have passed since Abraham first heard that voice. Okay? 24 years. Um, he's 99 years old, and Sarah's 89. And still, they have no child of that union. So his becoming a great nation isn't looking too good right now. Remember that promise? And so Abraham notices these three men standing nearby, and, and, and the story unfolds. He goes and, and welcomes them as, as a good uh, a Jewish person would. Hospitality, very much a part of their lives, and, and offers to, you know, to take care of them and to feed them and give them something to drink and for them to have a place to rest. And so he rushes to the tent, and he tells Sarah to uh, take three measures of choice flour, knead it, and make cakes. Now, this is where the translation gets really bad, because in the Hebrew and older translations, it said three seahs, S-E-A-H, or seim, plural, of flour. Now, there's a whole bunch of, you know, you try to figure out what, how much exactly was that, you know, and you think, is this really important? Well, yeah, it is, because a seah was a third of an ephah, or two hens, Okay, you got that? Y'all know how much that is now? I mean, right off the, boop, there, there we go. Well, as best I can tell, uh, Abraham just told Sarah to take 30 pounds of flour and, 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 and do this. So 30 pounds of flour would make a loaf about six feet long, five feet wide, and four feet high. And by the way, Sarah, make it snappy because these guys are in a hurry. So that's part of the story. And everybody who read this would have laughed. Because it's, it's excess. This, this, this is just a part of the narrative that you just have to appreciate. And then it goes on to talk about um, uh, what, the, what one of those three uh, gentlemen says. It says, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. <laughs> it's not the first time he's heard this. And it didn't happen. And it didn't happen. So Sarah is standing by the door or the entrance to the tent. Mm. And as the narrative says, it had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Oh, I love biblical speak, you know. Okay, it doesn't say a thing about Abraham, though, does it? You know, Abraham, 99. Yeah, Sarah, good luck with that one. So... There's all kinds of stuff that's going on in this. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a question. Ladies, how many of you at age 90 would like to have another child? Hands up. I don't see any hands. 
Okay, let me do it this way. How many of you would not want to have another child at age 90? I should see every hand going up, unless you never raise hands when you're told to raise hands. Okay. Um, so that's, that, but it sounds ridiculous. It absolutely sounds ridiculous, but that's part of the point because it is God who's going to make of Abraham a great nation, not Abraham. God is going to do this. And you see this happening over and over again as we continue on through the Old Testament. This is about God working in the life of a human being. Miracle might be a better word for it in this case. But for me, the best part of this comes when Sarah laughs to herself. And then the story kind of goes on as the men, they realize, like God does, they, know, they just know that Sarah laughed. And so they say to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? And Sarah then, as it says, denies saying, I didn't laugh. And one of the guys says, oh, yes, you did. <laughs> okay. Now, some of you have had maybe this experience in your own life. Or if you have children and, and siblings get together and there's this huge crash, you're upstairs. And you come downstairs and two of them are standing by this mess. Who did this? He did it. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. That's what's going on in the story, okay? So, really, I would love for you all to get in on this and, and be a part of this, too, because this side are the ones that, no, I didn't. And this side are the ones that say, yes, you did. And then you all say, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. And you say, yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. And that's, see, that's, that, this is real life stuff taking place. Sarah lies. And you would think that this would be to the point that if God were like a polytheistic God, that would be the end of the deal right there. You lie to me, it's over. I'm going to take my promise and I'm going somewhere else and I'm finding somebody else to do it. But that's not how God works. When God makes a promise, God keeps his promise. And believe me, just like those three men, knew that Sarah had laughed. When she laughed to herself, she didn't even do it out loud. God knows each and every one of us and wants to come and be a part of our lives as they really, really are. You don't have to put on ears. You don't have to do any of that stuff. God knows when we... He knows every single thing about us, and that's what makes this so incredibly fantastic. This whole story is about real life, not some ritualized, formalized, do the right thing, make the right sacrifice, say the right prayers the right way in a human-created polytheistic system. This is God wanting to engage us in the real world, in the nitty-gritty of life as we really live it, lies and all, because that's where he loves us. That's the level upon which he loves us. And there he wants to be in relationship with us just as he was going to be in relationship with Abraham and Sarah. So much so that several millennia later, give or take a few years from Abraham's time, God came and lived among us. God incarnate Jesus 
God's only begotten son. And it all started, really, with this one relationship with Abraham, and by the way, with a woman named Sarah, whom he invited to leave behind all that they had known and embrace the possibility of something new. Oh, and that's what makes this so fantastic. Because it's still happening. Each and every day, that still happens. Right now, right here, in your life and in mine. God's saying to each one of us, leave behind your old life and receive a new life which you can only experience through a close and personal relationship with me. And by the way, if you ever laugh and God says, did you laugh? Just say, yeah, I did. (laughs) In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.